Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. We're going to the book of Genesis in this the series of sermons I've entitled, I Have the Keys. We find our foundation scripture from Matthew's Gospel 16 verse 19, but today I'm taking you to the book of Genesis because I've previously announced that today I will speak to you on the keys to a blessed marriage. And so we are in lesson number five, Genesis chapter two, please. As we look at the word of the Lord together, let me, let me mention to you as you find that scripture that this Wednesday evening, this Wednesday evening at seven o'clock in the ministry buildings, second floor, there in the men's ministry room, I'll be conducting a church membership class. I'll be instructing and teaching about what we believe and why we believe it and who we are as a local church, South Metro Ministry, and who we are as a denominational church, Churches of God, Church of God, with headquarters in Cleveland, Tennessee. I'll be telling you what makes us uniquely different from other churches in the sense of that we are a spirit-filled church, Pentecostal church. And you'll never find a perfect church, including this one. And if you're waiting for a perfect church, then you won't ever join. And if you ever think to yourself, well, I don't have to join the church to go to heaven, you're right. But the church is God's idea. And if it's God's idea, you need to know about it because we are the body of Christ, the called out ones. We'll give opportunity next Sunday morning at the close of this service for church membership. If you've already attended a class, you don't need to come because you've already attended. Just come to uh, next Sunday morning in the first service, of course, like you are. And at the close of the service, we will join others who come for the second service. I'll ask them to come early and we'll receive members. This Wednesday, please register as you go out if you haven't yet. So I'll have enough materials for church membership class. I also want to say this to you, and I know that time is uh, of the essence in our first service. I have to move on. I hold in my hand a book entitled A Better Way, written by John Barrow, the founder of A Better Way Ministry, which is a men's rehabilitation program less than five miles from here. For the last three or four years, we have been supporting this ministry financially and otherwise, and they've been blessing us. And these are men who have been bound by drugs, alcohol in the past, uh, substance abuse, other kinds of situations. And John Barrow himself writes about his story. He was bound. He has been in, has in his past been in jail numerous times and placed in the hole for up to 31 days. He has done all kinds of things in the flesh and in sin that he regrets. But he found a program based in Teen Challenge. God turned his life around. His 24-year-old son was killed by a SWAT team raid because his 24-year-old son got involved with the wrong crowd, with the Russian mafia. This is John's story, what God can do. For a donation of $10, it will go towards that ministry. I read it in its entirety. And I'm telling you, if you got somebody needs help, if you don't know somebody needs help, and you'd like to read this book, all of the money will go to get this book in penitentiaries across Georgia and around the nation. You can't invest better. And I'm telling you that if you'd like a copy, it's at the Media Center. If you'll donate $10, we'll be sure that you'll get it. And if you can't donate $10, write your name down on a piece of paper, and we'll make arrangement for somehow for you to get it. Say amen, church. Genesis 2, verse number 21, please. 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, wow. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Adam said, if he had any sense, he would. Uh, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Would you reach your hands in this direction and pray for me? I really would be helped by your prayer, and all of us will be helped together. Father, I thank you for the anointed praise and the worship and the dedication of precious children. And I thank you, Rahilabasotore, for the release of the Holy Spirit upon your servant. God, what I'm teaching today, I'm still learning of the keys to a blessed marriage. I'm not up here, Lord, as somebody the church ought to follow because I got it right. I'm still a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. So come and anoint our ears to hear. But let us be more than hearers of the word. Let us be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen? And amen it is as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. By the way, men, uh, while you have men Monday night... I also want to tell you that I've been enjoying Monday night prayer and I lead that on Monday evening at 7 o'clock and if you'd like to join us, you are welcome to do so. The keys to a blessed marriage. This message is for people who are married, people who want to be married, and people who are sorry they are. (laughs) Pretty much covers everybody. If you're not married, it's about relationships and you, you need help in relationships. There have been some funny stories told by little children about marriage. And you know the Bible, oh, somebody, not the Bible, but some wise sage of yesteryear said, out of the mouth of babes come profound wisdom. So I heard about the little boy who had returned from church one Sunday morning. His mother asked him, what did you learn in children's church? The little boy says, we talked about things that Jesus said in the New Testament. So the mother thought she'd quiz her little boy and she asked him the question, well, what did Jesus say about marriage? And the little boy thought for a moment and he said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) Heard about the little boy who came home from church and was trying to explain to his parents what he'd learned about how God created the first woman. How did he cut open the side of Adam and woman was made out of the side of Adam? A little later on in the day, the little boy had a side ache and he went to his mother and says, Mother, I think I'm having a wife. (laughs) Someone has suggested six rules that guys wish women knew. Six rules guys wish women knew. Number one, you have too many shoes already. (laughs) By the way, the first lady, my wife, is in Germantown, Maryland, at the Redeeming River Church of God with uh, J.C. and Kim. And uh, if I want her to know anything about this, I'd tell her myself, okay? <laughs> rule number two that, that uh, and by the way, she'll be here for Bible study tomorrow evening, ladies. Rule number two that guys wish women knew about them is that crying is blackmail. <laughs> rule number three that guys wish women knew about them was ask for what you want. Subtle hints. Do not work with us. 
Rule number four that guys wish women knew about them is mark our anniversary date on the calendar with a highlighter. We do not like the doghouse. Rule number five that guys wish that women knew about them is that headaches that last for 17 months are medical problems. Go see the doctor. You'll know about that if you're married. Uh, uh, and rule number six, if something we said can be interpreted in two ways, ladies, and one of those ways make you mad, we were thinking about the other way. <laughs> On a more serious side, obvious to all of us, there are many marriages today that are dead or dying. Marriages where love is as dead as a corpse. Marriages where yesterday's hopes and dreams have been assassinated by hateful words. Marriages are dead and dying today because some of them are already bound up in the grave clothes of bitter memories. Marriages that have been scarred by adultery, fornication, or pornography. Marriages are dead and dying today out of outright neglect or physical, mental, or emotional abuse. Marriages are dead and dying today because all meaningful communication between spouses are like a dull memory. There are no perfect marriages. There are only marriages that are in the process of becoming Better or bitter? In marriage, the natural tendency without the Lord Jesus Christ, in marriage, the natural tendency is toward deterioration, not improvement. If left to ourselves in marriage without the love of Christ, we would seek our own interest. He would seek his own and she would seek her own. Because the natural proclivity of man and woman without God is to put themselves first. Can I get a witness by faith? The only way that marriage partners can offset the process of decay in their marriage is by taking a proactive approach towards improving their relationships. You got to work on it. So I want to talk to you about the keys to a blessed marriage. And I want to suggest it would be good to take notes. And guys, if you don't take notes, it would be a good day way to impress your wife and get a few points by just... Yeah, okay. Mm. Let's begin with the idea of marriage. Where did it come from? And I believe it's obvious to most believers that we know that marriage was God's idea to begin with. It still is God's idea. Notice some things about marriage, if you will. Roman numeral number one. Notice the concern, if you will, or a letter A, if you will, the concern that God has for marriage. When you read the scriptures prior to Genesis 2, you find that five times in the story of creation that God looked at what he created and he saw it and he said, it was good. Then when he created man, he looked back at man who later became known as Adam, the first man, and he said it was very good. Can I get a witness? But then in chapter 2, verse 18, God's concern about man was to the extent that God said in chapter 2 and verse number 18, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper 
comparable to him or for him. So God created woman. The word for man in the Hebrew, which is the original language of the Old Testament, the word for man is ish, I-S-H. It means strong. The word for woman in the Hebrew is isha, I-S-H-A, which means soft. It would appear to me that both of these words are needed for a good marriage. Strong but yet soft. Can I get a good amen? When God saw that it was not good for man to be alone, he was concerned, so he set out to change things, and he created woman. Notice, if you will, on this idea of marriage, if you will, that God and his idea involve the completion of his creation. The completion of now there is Adam and now there is Eve, the first woman. And so God gave the first anesthesia and caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Then God performed the first surgery and took a rib from Adam's side and out of that rib God built a woman. She was taken from Adam's side not molded from the dust of the earth like Adam was. She was taken from a part of Adam so that now Adam was naturally incomplete without that part and with that part, God made him complete by giving him a wife, a woman. The Bible says, He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Augustine, the one of the great men of faith of yesteryear, Augustine said this about marriage. He said, if God had meant for woman to rule over man, he would have taken her from his head. Had he designed her to be his slave, he would have taken her from his feet. But God took woman out of man's side, for he made her to be a helpmeet and an equal to him. And all the ladies said... And all the men hushed. (laughs) When God then made Adam and Eve, after he created Eve, he brought her to Adam and the first wedding took place in verse 23. God brought them together. And after they said, I do, that's when Adam said, wow, man which became woman, not really. Uh, I, I have come to, I, I read a quote in my, in my studies this week on this subject. I read a quote that I saved over years ago about this business of marriage and how that man is complete with woman and woman is complete with man. And here's what it says. The man is restless when, while he's missing the rib that was taken out of his side and the woman is restless until she gets under the arm of the man from which she was taken. Listen even more. It is humbling for the woman to know she was created for the man, but it is to her glory to know that she alone cannot complete him. It continues. Likewise, it's humbling for the man to know that 
he is incomplete without the woman, but it's to his glory to know that the woman was created for him. So we see the concern and we see the completion. Let me give you a third key under this idea of marriage. Notice the cause of marriage. Why did God do this? And some of you are wondering that too. And now I'll just move on. The Old Testament describes carefully how God made man and woman and why he created them in this union of marriage. Now I'm just going to teach you this morning. I know how to preach, I know how to yell, and I know how to whoop glory. But, but I need to teach today. Marriage originated with God for a reason. When God's blueprint for marriage is followed, when his direction is followed, marriage is meant to be the source of encouragement for the spouses. Marriage, you ought to write this down, is supposed to be an encouragement factory. It's where you should get from your wife and you should give to your wife and vice versa encouragement. They can't get no place else. And I want to tell you this with all of my heart, and I say it in and out of her presence. My best friend in the whole wide world is Valerie Matura. The older I get, the more time I want to spend with her. And she's been gone for the last few days, and me and Prissy, my four-legged poodle daughter, we uh, thanks to Cheryl for keeping Prissy for the last couple of days because I was able to go see my dad in South Carolina. But I miss me my Georgia peach bride called Valerie. On December the 22nd, it'll be 35 years, and, and it just gets sweeter all the time. Now, I see I'm married out of my league, okay? You understand, and guys, you go ahead and nod, because I've seen you, and I've seen your bride, and I know you married out of your league, too. So go ahead and say amen, okay? When we got married, I had a lot more hair and a lot more whatever else, you know, that, that was appealing. And I've gone downhill ever since, and she's going uphill, and I'm planning to stay. I told Valerie, if you ever leave me, girl, I'm going with you. I'd leave me too if I was her sometimes. Well, stay in your notes, Pastor. It works better. And I just wanted to push that in there. It should be, your marriage should be an encouragement factory, not a criticism factory, not a fault-finding factory, not a comparison factory. It should be whether they compliment you or not, you ought to say, I thank God for you, and we'll work through whatever we got to. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap. Here's the second thing of a key to marriage. It's under Roman numeral number two, the instructions for marriage. Found in verse 24. The Word of God says in Genesis 2 and 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There are three things here concerning marriage that I think are excellent instructions regarding this business of marriage. Number one, there must be a commitment. Everybody say commitment. For marriage to survive in this age of divorce, and all you got to do nowadays is call 1-800-DIVORCE, pay a few hundred bucks, and you're finished after 10, 5, or even 25 or 30 years. And I know that some of you have had bitter prior marriages, and, and I know that some of you have divorced, and, and you found somebody else that God sent you, and I'm grateful for you. 
I'm, I'm telling you, it's not God's idea, but some of you have been in situations where it wasn't God's idea for you to stay in it either, okay? I've seen good marriages, good second marriages. I've seen good thriving second marriages that God has blessed because, well, I better not go. I, I, I was going to say a few things in the flesh there about some... But the, the whole idea is, I'm not here to criticize you if you were divorced, got remarried, and God blessed you, okay? Now I'm telling you to stay with the one you're with, okay? All right, don't be like, don't be like Elizabeth Taylor who said to her first husband, don't worry, a matter to her fifth husband. Elizabeth Taylor said to her fifth husband, don't worry, I ain't going to keep you long. There must be a commitment to responsibility. It's not a joke that you stand in front of a minister and you commit your vows to each other and exchange rings and look into one another's eyes and say your vows and say for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sickness and in health until death separate us. That's not some kind of rhyme or poem. That's a covenant. That's a commitment. And if you're not ready to say that, then don't get married. That's good preaching, little Indian. Thank you. I'm encouraged. We're living in an age of disposability. Can I get a witness? Use it once and throw it away. We're living in an age of, of easy come, easy go. And in the last two or three decades in America, that's how our society has labeled marriage. Well, try it. If you don't like it, just get rid of it. People are not disposable. Emotions and pains and hurts and scars come back and, and they haunt you sometimes. And the Bible, that's why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't you dare tell yourself, he ain't saved now, but he promised to go to church with me after we get married. No, no, he ain't going to do that. If you don't get it right now and he don't really get saved, if his own mother couldn't get him off the couch at age 40 and get him to get a job, what makes you think you're going to get him to get a job? Oh, God, let me stay behind this pulpit where the eggs can't hit me. The words, the words in the scripture, in verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. These words are more than what you read when it meets your eyes for the first time. It speaks of commitment, a covenant. When, when God says a man shall leave his father and mother, and Jesus repeated that in the Gospels. When, when Jesus said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall be joined together, leave and cleave. It means a mutual oath. Of course, physical intimacy is an expression of the union of two people in marriage, but physical intimacy and, and, and intimate love in marriage is, is not the only reason for which a man or woman come together to have children and a family. You know, we, 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 we have a phrase in our culture that describes marriage and we often call it tying the knot. And I once read where a comment was made from a mountain climber who said that the reason mountain climbers are tied together is to keep the sane ones from going home. And now that is a thought I, I, I got to thinking, how does that have to do with marriage? 
Maybe one of the reasons that God ties the knot together in marriage is to keep the sane ones from running away when they go and get stuff. Somebody say amen by faith or owe me or something. Must be commitment. Ken Canfield thinks that this enduring bond of commitment between husband and wife affects more than two of them. When you make a commitment at the altar or wherever you got married in front of the presence of a man of a woman of God who solemnized your right to marriage, you're not just making a commitment to that man or woman. You're making a commitment to the future of a family if God so blesses you with children. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You see, the challenge for our generation is to make marriage a prerequisite of being a father. I want you all to absorb that. The reason we get in trouble with our marriages in America is we tend to reverse the order in which God made things to happen. You don't become a father or a mother when you give birth or have children outside of marriage that God can bless. You may become a father biologically or a mother biologically, but God's plan says you first ought to get married now, can God save those who done it? Yes, He does. Can God bless those who didn't know better and to get it right? Yes, He can. But you don't knowingly do what no, the Bible says and then reverse God's order and say, Now, God, even though I disobeyed, now come back and bless me. There's a price to pay. And a prerequisite to being a father should be that there should be a marriage covenant first. I have read that every day, Hundreds of children are born without two parents who are committed to building a solid family together. You know that. You know what research has shown? Research has confirmed that these children who are born without a couple, a married couple, a mother and father in their life every day, research shows that these children are more likely to commit delinquent acts, drop out of school, have children out of wedlock, suffer poverty, receive welfare, welfare, and abuse drugs and alcohol. The future for children is far much brighter when they have two parents who are committed to each other and who love the Lord and who say, in spite of our differences, we are committed not just to each other, but we are committed to our son, our daughter, our grandchildren, until death separates us, and God will help us. Somebody give the Lord a praise. I, I need to hurry. Here's an illustration that I, that I read that is a true story about commitment to marriage. For many years, Robertson McQuilkin was the president of Columbia Bible College. Some years ago, Mr. McQuilkin had to resign his position as president of the college because his wife was suffering from the advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease. In his letter of resignation to the board of directors of the college, this is what his letter said about his resignation and his commitment. My dear wife, Muriel, has been in failing mental health for about eight years. So far, I've been able to carry her ever-growing needs and my leadership responsibilities here at the college. But recently, it has become apparent that she needs me more and more. 
She is filled with fear and terror every time I am away that she has lost me and always goes in search for me when I leave home. This decision was in a way made 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health until death do us part. Integrity, he continues, integrity has something to do with it, but so does fairness. She has cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. If I cared for her for the next 40 years, I would not be out of debt. He continues, there is more. Speaking of his wife, he says, she is a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and her confidence in me, her warm love. Occasional flashes of wit that I used to relish so. Her happy spirit and tough resilience in the face of a continuing distressing frustration. He said, I do not have to care for Muriel. I get to. He closes his letter by saying it's a high honor to care for so wonderful a person. That, my brothers and sisters, is commitment. Notice this about the instruction for marriage. There must not only be commitment, there must be closeness. Can I get an amen, somebody? A French historian once described marriage as three weeks of curiosity, three months of love, and 30 years of tolerance. Someone described marriage, on the lighter side, someone described marriage as a proposition. That ends in a sentence. He proposes and your life ends in a sentence. You're married to the... Anyhow. One man said that the honeymoon was the interval between the man saying I do and the wife saying you'd better. I, I, I remember a story I read some time ago about a man who was being asked about the success of his long-term marriage. And he responded to saying, the secret of our marriage is this. We have never had an extended argument. Whenever my wife gets upset, she rearranges the furnitures. Whenever I get upset, I go outside and take a long walk in the woods. He said, the secret to our marriage is this. I have substantially led an outdoor life. <laughs> I like it. You, you know, I don't know, we, we have to laugh at it sometimes because it's not really funny, but, but sometimes you got to laugh a little bit at yourself because uh, if you don't, uh, you, you, you won't have a good balance. Can I get an amen? amen? You know, and as we get older, we, uh, we, we laugh about getting old and we laugh, we tell jokes about spouses, you know, that, that get old and they forget. And so I, I, I was reading where uh, a man and woman uh, went to the doctor and the wife took the husband to the doctor for his ailing health and the doctor uh, went in and examined the husband and, and while he finished the exam, he asked the husband to get dressed and he would walk to the other room and talk to his wife. So while the husband got dressed, the doctor went to the wife and said, your husband is going to die unless you do three things. Number one, you got to, you got to take care of his every whim. Everything he desires, you got you to take care of. And then number two, you got to give him three good meals a day. And then number three, you got to be intimate with him whenever he desires or else he's going to die. 
They both got in the car after he got dressed and they headed down the road and she was driving and he said to her, he said, I wondered what the doctor say to you uh, when I was getting dressed. She said, he said, you going to die? Mm-hmm. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. This, these words, leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, literally means to be glued to. Can, closeness. Can, can I get an amen? amen? Sexual intimacy in marriage is of God. It has its proper place. But it isn't supposed to be what Hollywood shows it to be. Okay? Can I get an amen here? There are good Christian books that I can recommend about sex in marriage and how one looks out for the interests of their spouse while their own needs are being met in the sexual relationship. Okay? There are good places where you can read and learn and know about that. All right? And so therefore, I know that one of the reasons marriages become estranged and, and it becomes distance is because there's difficulty or there can be difficulty in the sexual union. But the word closeness in the Bible means like glue, that we are to be glued to each other in loving one another, in encouraging one another, in praying for one another. Can I get an amen? One of the things we practice together as husband and wife, and I want to suggest to you, is before we go to bed, we are lying in the bed, we join hands and we pray together. And if I pray too long, Valerie falls asleep and I say, God bless her. <laughs> Tracy said to us the other day in staff meeting, she of course is the wife of uh, Pastor Jeff, she said while they were dating, they would always pray on the phone together. And, and Pastor Jeff, you know, he's passionate about prayer. So he sometimes, he may pray a little longer than the average pastor. And she said, sometimes I'd fall asleep on the phone while my while Pastor Jeff was praying for me before we got married. I think that's a good way to fall asleep. But don't you fall asleep while I'm preaching because I'm going to lay hands on you suddenly. <laughs> Give me the third thought very quickly. Here's a, here's a third thing I want you to observe. I want you to observe that there must be communication in marriage. I hasten to say this to you. Communication is to marriage what blood is to the body. When your blood stops flowing, you are what? I thought I heard you say dead. It's amazing to me how that in our modern age of technology, we can develop communication systems that allow us to speak to men on the moon when they were there. And we got email and we got Twitter and we got Facebook and we got uh, FaceTime and we got, we got texting and we got all this stuff of communication. It's amazing to me how we can have all that and yet we can be so distant in our marriage. You got to talk. They can't read your mind. And you got to listen. And I'll say more about it as I close in just a moment. And here's a last major thought I want to give you about the keys to a successful marriage. The intentions for marriage. What was God's intention for marriage? I think that God not only wanted it to be a place of encouragement, but God's intention for marriage, number one, is that we listen. Could you put it up there? That's what I talk about, communication. We listen. It says the average person listens for 17 seconds before they interrupt. And men, we are not so good at waiting 17 seconds. You know, my wife has quizzed me a lot of times on listening. 
she, I, I'm listening while I got a book in my hand and the TV are going on. And she said, you're not listening. And then she says, what I just say? Uh, I, I said, uh, uh, yeah, I said, you said I was really handsome. <laughs> no, I, I, I say to her, I'm multitasking. No, I'm not listening. Take the word listen. Take each letter from the word listen and write this down. This, this is what listening means. L stands for look into her eyes while you're talking, guys. I'm getting some amen from the ladies and maybe from the men too. The word I, the letter I and the word listen, come to the music, brother. Uh, the letter I and the word listen stands for inquire. Don't just listen. Ask for some explanation. Tell me more, honey. Here's another, and I'm learning this, okay? The, the, the letter S in the word listen stands for stop interrupting. Good preaching, preacher. Thank you, church. You, you're such an encouragement. The word T in the word listen means tell them what they said. That's where I flunked the test. The word E in, 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 in this business of listening means express some form of comfort. The only person they can unload on is, is you sometimes. And I don't mean that they do it in a nasty, ugly way, but they can't tell off their boss and they can't tell off their supervisor. They lose their job, but they give their tone. She comes home and her tone may be a little different, her demeanor different. Listen. He comes home and, and is first listen. Can I get another amen here? And the, 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 the letter N in the word listen means never look at your watch while she's talking. Here are three more things. Put it on the screen. That's God's intention for marriage. Go ahead and put them all three because there's some who like to take notes. And, and you buy this CD and you buy this DVD because if you don't need it now, just keep living like Brother Willie Terrell says. Just keep living. Trouble going to come somewhere. Appreciate. I said appreciate. Man, I'm telling you. And ladies, he goes to work. He brings a paycheck. He takes out the garbage. He helps with the dishes. Uh, Pastor, who are you talking about? <laughs> well, at least he's, he should. He should. Pays the bill. Helps out with the children. And growing up, and this is nothing about Alan Mature, this is just about how life is. I, I have three sisters, and I'm the only son of four children. And my mother trained me as a boy how to wash clothes, how to fold clothes, how to do dishes, how to vacuum the floor, how to clean the toilets. I thought I'm the only son. I got three sisters. Give it to them. My mother, my wife loves it that my mother taught me that. I still wash dishes, fold clothes clean the toilets and vacuum the floors. You know why? Because for 32 years, my wife worked a job to help bring an income for our children. And I found out when I helped her, I was helping myself. I was saying to her, I appreciate you, Valerie. Can I get an amen, somebody? It's amazing. You know, you want time with each other, you got to help each other make time. And then you got to say, thank you for matching my socks. Some of you guys come in here looking so fine. And it's because your wife told you that that ugly tie you were putting on didn't go with that coat you had. Get the right one. You ought to say, I appreciate you. You know, she fixed a nice meal. Quit talking about, what about this burnt sacrifice you're giving unto the Lord? Say, thank you for this meal. T.D. Jake says, T.D. Jake said when he first got married uh, that, that, that his wife, you know, uh, hey, she's fixing 
She said, he says, fix banana pudding. He says, man. He said, I don't know what that was. He said, there was banana doing, swimming all over that pudding. And they were doing back dives and flips. He said, I didn't know what to call that. I could just, all I could say is, she's sincere. She's sincere. He said, now after 30 something years of marriage, she got it figured out. But if you first get married, just go ahead and let her be sincere. And if she calls it ground beef, just go ahead and eat it. You share. And you tell each other. You tell each other, what. remember every day of your life, what's important. I said you remember every day of your life, what's important. People are millionaires and billionaires and their home is a shipwreck. They got the best car, the best clothes, and the best thing money can buy. And they hate going home. You tell yourself what is important. If I got a roof over my head, my children are well, and they're secured in their bed at night, and my bride is beside me, I'm the most blessed man in the world. I'm the most blessed woman because your groom is coming. Stand up. Stand up all over the church. Come, praise team. I want you to sing a closing song. You ever heard The Great Pretender? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Anybody ever heard the song, The Great Pretender? You, that's a country song of yesteryear, anyhow. Okay, so how do you close a sermon like this? You ask couples and families to don't make a covenant to me, make it to God. You, you, you understand. Please, please remember this. Somebody came up with the idea that marriage means he gives 50% and I give 50% and we have 100%. That's not the idea. The marriage is you give 100% whether or not they do. You wife, you give 100%. You, sir, you give 100%. And that's how it completes the marriage. Wives, you keep praying over those husbands because God will sanctify them and bring them into the kingdom. And don't hassle them to come to church and don't hassle them to serve God. Just love them anyhow. Husbands, you keep on loving and you keep on blessing and you keep on forgiving and you pray over them if they're not saved and God will cover them. Bow your heads, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said, Pastor Matura, I'm, somebody told me this morning with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Somebody told me this morning on our team, our prayer team and elder, elder in the church said in February they would have been married 50 years. Thank you, Lord, for that. You may be married five months. You may be not married. But you want the right person when you do. You say, Pastor Matura, I want to either renew my covenant with my spouse today. I want to rechange my perspective. I want the keys to a blessed marriage. Nobody looking but me and you. Heads about. Raise your hands if that's you. Thank you so much. Hold, hold it up a moment. Put it down. If you are beside your spouse right now, would you take he or she by the hand? If you are beside your spouse. I want the prayer team to start praying right where you're standing. Start praying right where you're standing. I want the elders of the church to start praying. I want everybody else to start praying. And I want to pray over everybody here. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Say, Pastor, I've been asking God for the right companion, the right mate. I'm not married Oh, I'm single again. Oh, when the time comes, I want God to direct me to the right person. Would you pray for me? Raise your hand if that's you. If that's you, I want God to... That's many of you. Put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Everybody begin to pray with me now. The hand that you hold, those of you that are married, begin to pray right over her, sir, and begin to pray over him, ma'am. Come on, everybody else. If you've got sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, right now, open up your mouth and say, Lord, bless their marriage. If That's the Holy Spirit praying through me. And you don't have to worry about it. He knows how to pray. Come on, just raise your voices and pray. Father, make us one with you first. Because God, if we are estranged from you, we'll be estranged from our spouses. Oh God, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is kind. Love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Love does not seek its own interests, but the interests of the other person. Make our marriage that way. Can I get an amen? amen? Love does not use bitter and angry and hateful words. Love is, is, is a communication that comes from the heart of God. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you not only join hands together, but you join hearts together. Forgive us for bitter words. Forgive us for dominating our spouses. Forgive us for manipulating our marriage. Lord, I pray against adultery. Come on, help me pray. I pray against fornication. I pray against pornography. Somebody say amen. I pray against a lack of communication. I pray against anger and bitterness and strife. Come on, help me pray. I pray against financial problems in our marriage. I pray that we would raise up our children as models, oh God, of what we want their marriage to be, Lord. Lord, I pray for this church to experience a revival in our marriages. I pray, oh God, that this church will be a healing place for marriages. Lord, we bring our marriage to the altar. In order for our marriage to be altered, it has to be brought to the altar. And God, I pray today that we will forgive and we will apologize and we will love and bless one another. I pray for renewed covenant in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap and thank Him. Come on, come on, thank Him. Come on and thank Him. Come on. Come on and thank Him. Yes. Now, I want the prayer team to come and stand at the front. If you need prayer for anything, if it had nothing to do with the message, your need, then somebody's going to meet you here in prayer. I want you to sing, and let's sing one time before you go. One time before you go. Bind us together. That's good. That's good. That's good. Bind us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.